Hey, it's Arthur here from Play to Find Out, your Dungeon World podcast from the Dungeon World Discord. We've got a special episode for you tonight. We recorded this live on Twitch and did it as an actual play where, in theory, people could call in. We didn't actually get any callers, so this is just the dump of us playing. Unedited, exactly what the people on the stream got to experience. It was a ton of fun, and we're hoping to do it again. And it is a departure from our usual format, so bear with it. If it's not for you, that's fine too. We'll be back next week with a show in our usual style here on Play to Find Out. Enjoy! Play to find out live the Dungeon World call-in show. I don't know how many of you are out there, but we hope that you're excited to tune in for an evening of great streams, great gameplay, and hopefully great questions and good answers to them. I'm Art or Art Projects, one of your hosts. And I am Voidlight, your other host. And we are going to be playing. Dungeon World using the Legacy Weapon expansion for a little one-on-one -on -one play and waiting for your calls. If you're just tuning in and you don't know how the call-in system works, join the Discord that we've got uh, it noted up on the screen up in the top right corner. And you can join the conversation in the podcast channel right over there. Are you preferring people to use that avenue over the Twitch chat? Um, so you can use the Twitch chat for sure, but if you join in on the Discord and then message one of us, Art Projects and Voidlight, you will be able to possibly get on the show uh, in a speaking role, ask your question live, and then discuss it with us on the air. Absolutely. I was so, tripped out for a minute there because I was listening to the actual stream, How and it it's lagging. Um, just It sounds good, but it's lagging just um, several seconds behind yes. both yeah. of us speaking. For sure. Cool. Well, thank you for joining in. Uh, feel free. We'll, I'll be monitoring the chat in, on Twitch and the chat in Discord on the podcast channel. And for those of you uh, who are out there listening, feel free to give us a shout on either, and we'll hopefully get you on the show. But for now, it's time for us to, I think, get into our actual play part of the episode. Absolutely. I've got the legacy weapon up, and we are going to go through some character creation, I believe. Character creation sounds good to me. So, unfortunately, the one thing I don't have in my streaming setup yet is a desk cam that lets people see my physical character sheet in front of my very, uh, you know, in front of your, their very eyes. So, with any luck, we'll get that sorted for the next time we do something like this. That's quite all right. But for now... Um, you'll just have to take my word for it that I'm going to have a character sheet and physical dice. Here, here's going to be a fun thing that I've never done on a microphone before. I'm going to take some physical dice out and I'm going to roll them. 
I'll roll mine as well, just so you can get some nice dice yeah. sounds. Let's get some nice dice sounds. Let's start out with a little dice. <laughs> ASMR. Dice ASMR. ASMR is such a weird phenomenon. Listeners, I did not know this was going to be part of the uh, the event tonight. If you've never heard of ASMR, it is um, autonomous. It's something really special. It stands for, I believe, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, which is like a specific tingling phenomenon that some people get when hearing certain sounds. And there's a whole like subculture of YouTube channels out there designed to like trigger that. So have, have fun listening to people crinkle paper bags. Wrap gifts, I've heard, is one of them. Whisper into their mic. Whisper is a big one. Um, anyway, I've got my 2D6, and then depending on what playbook I end up selecting, I'll go back for more. So I've got four playbooks that I'm having sort of a little bit of trouble deciding between. Uh, and I was wondering, Eamon, if you could help me pick these out. I've got Paladin, Barbarian, Druid, and Bard. I kind of like the sound of all four. I haven't played a ton of these. Um, I've never played a Barbarian uh, or a Druid, for that matter. Or really, actually, the only one in the stack that I think about that I've played before is a Paladin. Well, remember, Arthur, that we are leveraging the Legacy weapon. So ultimately, you could play some mashup of all four because we are going true. to create the Legacy itself. And like who the previous heroes were that wielded your weapon, I think at least about three of them. So you're going to um, be able to leverage the the main moves, the cool, important ones from all of those play playbooks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? We are here not just to play, but also to find out, you know, demonstrate and educate and have fun. So I think I'm going to play with the playbook that I consider to be the hardest to have in my own parties. Um, just to, just to challenge you a little bit extra. Okay. I'm going to go with the bard. All right. So, do you have any ideas and concepts for the characters right off the bat before we jump into the weapon itself? Or do you want yeah. to create the weapon first and then well, wrap the character around it? I think we can do either. I don't have a strong character concept thrown together yet, but I, I think I, I can come up with something based on kind of how we build out this weapon. So why don't we start with that? Okay, how much would you like to know about the world that you're about to dive into before you make the character? Um, I haven't planned tons in, in advance. I am leveraging um, material that I'm going to be uh, picking and choosing from a, a one-page uh, dungeon starter by Michael Prescott. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, um, it's going to be you know, playing to find out. So Yeah. All right, well, why don't you give me like one or two pertinent details that you think are definitely going to be important for me to know, and then we'll, we'll go from there and, and you know, fit it all together. The elevator pitch is there is a particular uh, hero of the realm, a paladin of some repute, who for the past about year has been missing, and he has gone on just this extended solo quest, and now the powers that be want him to be found and retrieved. And a tip has come up of where he is, and it ends up being in hell, basically. So mm. you're going to have to go and retrieve him. All right. Well, I'm just filling out my look right now. Um, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right back at you. I'm fit, joyous, wild, and traveling. Fit body, joyous eyes, wild hair, traveling clothes. Um, and I think because the, the thrust of the quest is going to be 
I imagine, tracking down this missing paladin. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if my personal motivation for tracking him down is an interest in singing the songs of this paladin. Does the paladin have a name? Yes, he does. Can I his know it? Name, yep, his name is... His name is Tar Seminus. Tar Seminus? That is T-A-R space and then Seminus, S-E-M-M-I-N-U-S. All right. Yes, so I wish to sing the song of Tar Seminus. And so, of course, being the bard that tracks him down, what a feather in my traveling cap. That you could say you, you met this person in the flesh. Mm. I, yes. Can I ask oh, some my. questions about your character already? All right, yeah. So fire away. I might not have answers to those questions ready, but I'll bet I can come up with them. Sure. So you would wish to sing the songs of this person. Is that sort of the the core theme of your bardhood or, or your, your your thesis, your anthem, so to speak, is that you are uh, a herald of this person? Or are they just another another song in the repertoire and you sing the songs of yeah. many heroes? So, so I think I've, I have sung the songs of many heroes over the course of my time. And right now, this Atar Seminus is the one that I want to, to track down and, uh, and sing songs of. So when I heard that the opportunity presented itself that I could go out and, and find him, have an adventure of my own to sing about in the context of Tar Seminus, then, well, I couldn't turn that opportunity down. Absolutely. Additionally, do you have any sort of um, truck with the religion that Tar Seminus himself is uh, a member of? He is a holy paladin of Saramet. Mm-hmm who is a god of light and, and righteousness and a general god of um, nothing nothing that has anything to do with death. Ah, interesting. Um, I, think, I think that they are not my gods specifically, but I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, I'm imagining that there are many other uh, powers that be in the land. Um, I, I suspect that I, I follow a sister faith to that of Tar Seminus. I respect Tar uh, more for their achievements than for their piousness, their piety. Yes, and their achievements are many. Tar, Tar Seminus is already a household name in mm-hmm. many, many regions of this world. Um, Does and... the Tar have a, a set of pronouns I should be using? Uh, yes, Tar is male. Tar is he him? Yes. Okay. Well, I cannot wait to sing his song. Um, now, as I'm going through this character sheet, I'm, I've kind of been idly working my way through this. Um, I'm trying to determine, I think I want to go with Chaotic for my alignment. Because I think that will be fun. Do you want me to fill in a bond? Or since this is a single player, should I just stick with the, uh, the empty bond sheet? not really much i can bond with i suppose you could potentially um fill in a bond with a previous wielder of the weapon or with okay. the weapon itself or potentially even with tarseminus up to you all right i think i'll hold off on bonds for now and then maybe later on there will be bonds with this character um who is a human bard by the name of willem Wellmet. willem Wellmet. okay willem Wellmet. so willem would you like to add some well, I guess I'm speaking to Art here. Would you like mm-hmm. to add some uh, some subplots as we go forward? Because 
you could be looking for other things down below. You could be looking oh, I for... Oh, I suspect I quite am. I, I will tell you that you certainly know of um, a particular flute, the mm -hmm. flute of Mulciber, that is uh, also known to be in hell. And that is just something that is just generally known that people um, talk of Mulciber's flute, even in, in like oaths and things. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're making more noise than Mulciber's flute on a dark night and things like that. So the flute you know with your um, just particular circles that you run in as a bard is actually a real thing. That if you're going to be in hell anyway, might as well pick it up while I'm down there. Sure, sure. I'm sure it's All no right. trouble. Mulciber's flute, real flute. Uh, and then bullet point in hell. Great. Great, great, great. Um, so I think probably I should pick out a bardic lore that would make my character feel, or that would make Willem Wellmet feel like they could probably handle this. Sure. So I'm thinking, I'm, right now I'm between the planar spheres and the dead and undead. Now, is hell as a place, the place where, where bad souls end up? Or... Is it sort of its own bad place that is independent of the afterlife? And people are uh, are fuzzy on that and conflicting on that. Um, where where you're from? Do you want mm -hmm. to tell me out of character, like a physical reality of the of the situation? Um, as in, what is the physical reality of hell? In 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 um, not not in real life. I'm talking about in this setting. Right. Yes. In like, in the game. Um, or you can help me. You can help me determine that if you wish. Right. Um, the 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 place you are going is certainly physical, mm -hmm. and you will be able to get there by physical means. But it could either always exist on the physical place, or mm -hmm. on the physical plane, or it could be a demi plane that occasionally overlaps. Um, oh, I like more I like that sort of a confluence of spheres sort of thing. Because hell um, is known. Um, I will tell you to. Um, come to reside under different cities at different times. So when cities are particular, basically feeding grounds for the mechanism that drives hell, hell mm -hmm. itself will um, come to reside under that city and begin to feed on the nacreous energy of all of the souls there. But yes, it, it, it does um, take, take souls into itself. Okay. So in that case, I think my bardic lore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move away from the hell thing and make my bardic lore gods and their servants. Okay. That's my that's my area of expertise. I think that'll serve me well in this uh, in this undertaking. Okay, I agree. So I just want to read that move out. When you first encounter an important creature, location, or item covered by your bardic lore, you can ask the GM any one question about it. The GM will answer truthfully. Uh, the GM may then ask what tale, song, or legend I heard that information in. This is probably my favorite bard move, honestly. Yeah, it's a great move. I hope to get a lot of mileage out of it. Certainly. All right. Well, that's the. I still got to fill in my stats. I'm going 16 charisma, 15 constitution. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to put my eight in, but I think I should probably pick that out next. Um, I think I'm going to put my eight in dexterity. Um, my nine will be my intelligence. My 12 will be Wisdom and my 13 Strength. All right. So Which one? I, and I, did, I made the amateur mistake of filling in the big numbers in the wrong slot. How foolish. Which one was your low stat again? Uh, my low stat is Dexterity at an 8. My high stat is Charisma. All right. 
And you said um, that Wilhelm has a, a traveler's body. You said he, he'd be considered fairly fit. Yes, Wilhelm is fit and uh, wears traveling clothes. All right. And what is your instrument? Ah, I haven't picked yet. Okay. Um, I'm now on the back of the sheet. Hmm. Let's see. Well, I, in real life, play uh, guitar, and I own a ukulele. And there's a part of me that's tempted, since we're doing this for an audience, to grab the ukulele from wherever I stashed it, which is somewhere. But that may be overkill. So shout out <laughs> We'd really shout get out into the bard. <laughs> yeah, shout out in the chat if you, uh, if you would like me to find my ukulele and have that ready. But until someone says, oh, you definitely need to have the ukulele out, uh, I'm just going to go with a fine lute because I understand how lutes work more or less. Absolutely. Um, so it's a fine lute, which was a gift from a noble. Um, uh-oh, and the chat is definitely saying I should probably go and find my ukulele. So get excited. Uh, Eamon, fill time. <laughs> All right. So while, while Art is getting his ukulele, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, how magic works um, in, in this setting that I have um, conceived with the help of Michael Prescott. So um, essentially, any given mortal is what we would consider a warlock for most of their magic career until they reach the high levels and split from whatever has been they've been leeching off of and, and actually become independent. But there are some who are not aware of this fact because the thing that they're leeching magic off of is so grand and so amorphous that it could almost be considered a natural force. For example, druids. A low-level druid would be... Um, they would be feeding off of the... Uh, the energy and the um, mana inherent within nature to to do their powers. But if they were, for example, captured into some demiplane apart from the world they were from or from the natural world, they would not be able to use their powers. Similarly, um, a bard um, draws their powers from music itself. And so I quite like the idea that the farther away they get from civilization, the place, places where music is uh, is made, and things like that, their power will actually will actually weaken until they can carry that music within themselves, being high enough level. Um, that and does we'll sound see, good to me. Yeah, and we will see other other wielders of different magics, and also the people that they draw their magic from yeah. as we go deeper. I'm sure. Cool. So I should uh, I should shout out. I I couldn't find my ukulele. I think it's in a different room, and I can't get to it without leaving the uh, the tether of my headphones. Um, so rather than uh, take a whole break and track that down. I just pulled out an actual guitar. Um, so let's see if let's see if we can get this audible. Righteous. Yeah. So I'll I'll try to use this sparingly but appropriately as we go. And for now, I'm going to put it back on its stand. All right. So I have my loot ready. I have, let's see, uh, do I have to pick up? Yes, I do have to pick other things. I need to choose my armament. Um, let's see, I went with dexterity as my crap stat, and now I'm kind of thinking I might go back and swap that out for strength because my dueling rapier option, really all the, I'm looking at this, I'm realizing all of the bard uh, gear is kind of predicated on dexterity. So I am going to swap 
that round. Not that it really is going to end up mattering, I guess. Um, because this is legacy weapon that we're playing. Mm-hmm. You know what? Fine. I will. Is there any chance that the legacy weapon is going to be a precise weapon? Uh, you can definitely determine that. You basically build the legacy weapon in oh, the sweet. same okay. way. Then, then I'm going to put my. I'm going to boost my decks uh, up to thirteen. Um, I'm going to keep my decks at thirteen uh, now. From and I'm committing to it. It's it's happening. My strength is now my negative one stat. My dexterity is a plus one. And my starting uh, weapon is going to be a worn bow, which is near and two weight, along with a bundle of arrows and a short sword. Um, and then on top of that, I'm going to grab some adventuring gear because I always like having adventuring gear on hand. Absolutely. Um, I also have eight maximum load. So that's going to be good. Tisk tisk. Um, and got I've got one, two, uh, four, five, six weight worth of stuff on me at at this point. Great. Well, I think that's my character. Um, I guess I'll run through. I'll run through the stuff. Do a character intro and then we'll we'll get into it or absolutely we um we can also uh create the weapon now mm-hmm. unless you want to um unless you want yeah I, I think I am what? interested in having you create the weapon but we, we should roleplay you finding it and then skip ahead to the adventure. Right. Well, um, well could we could we leave the the nature of the weapon in suspense for our audience um and then describe it and kind of break away from the action once I find it? Uh, and have that be the bit where we design it, or should we play and uh, after we found out? I think that I'm interested in the, your possession of this weapon being one of the reasons why you're confident going on this quest at oh, all. Great, um, especially the fact that um, something within the weapon um, told you that this was this was going to be worthwhile. But the weapon perhaps right. has invested interest in itself going to hell. So Sounds good to me. Let me pull up my weapon, uh, my copy of the legend, the legacy weapon, which is yeah, in you, one of my Chrome windows. Shout you out should at Chrome. least so that you can record these things. I'm looking at it right now as well. Wonderful. All right. You're going to want to go to page six where the actual creation occurs. Great. So is this something that we do together or something where I decide everything? Um, you can decide as much or as little as you want. Um, I, I consider this basically you making a second character. Okay. That sounds good to me. Um, well, let's see. I'm looking at my precise options right off the bat. I'm noticing that sword is precise. I'm also noticing that the, uh, the dagger is precise. I do kind of like the notion of a legendary dagger. Uh, yes, like, I have seen that done before to good effect. Um, uh, the sword is kind of a nice, simple, straightforward thing. If I go with spear, I will I will have the ability to volley with that and use decks and also like poke with it for a hack and slash that I'm not super into. Um, you know, I think let's go with the classics. Let's just let's just go with a sword. Um, and I would like that sword to be precise. Okay. So that's your one tag 
for the sword. Yep. So sword already the classic precise sword is a rapier. Are you thinking that this is something like that or a sword of some some different make? Um a rapier sounds reasonable. I like the idea that it's long and pointy. Let me just quickly go through my my internal list of other swords that this could conceivably be. Um I think the look of it is very similar to a fencing saber. Um, okay. I think that at one point it probably was a fencing saber. And th- apart from that, I don't know much. So let's continue building this thing. Okay. So the weapon itself has respect for a certain quality, which is why it has um, accepted you as a wielder. So you, you're basically getting to choose here the stat that is going to be treated as the active stat for all of the moves mm-hmm. contained in the weapon. All right. And this is starting to take shape as a very swash, swashbuckly, um, very, you know, you know, flamboyant, get out there and do something crazy kind of character. I think that'll play well. So why don't we go with charm? Respect for charm. All right. It maybe also is my best stat. I don't know. Maybe it's my 16. <laughs> Importantly to me, the tone of the adventure is starting to take shape as a sort of a, a, dark, a darkly romantic, like, um, plunge into somewhere you might not come back from so that that feels right um here's a question though this is of course not just an opportunity for you to hear us play our our favorite uh, our favorite game this is also an opportunity for you to ask us questions and get your own thoughts in so if you are interested in calling in with questions for us to gms that also do a podcast then feel free to do so. There are instructions for doing so on the Discord podcast channel. If you go to the Discord link in the top right corner of your screen. So don't be afraid to interrupt the action with a call. We would love to take one. All right. Are you ready to dive into the minor abilities of the weapon? I believe I am. Let's take a look at some minor abilities. So you get to select one from that list or create your own. All right. Let's see. Minor abilities. Hmm. I Would you be opposed to me reading a few of these out loud for our listeners who might not would, be looking? Would you read the ones in particular, the ones that you are really excited about? We'll see if they line up with any of mine. Okay, sure. I'll just um, go down and, and go the ones that I think are the most interesting or thematic just to my first um, glance on this list. I think provides warmth to the wielders. They're never cold is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, the wielder no longer needs to sleep is an interesting one as well. I, I think of some someone clutching this weapon at all times so that they do not get fatigued. It's something interesting. Uh, can summon a flock of ravens to your area. That one did jump out to me as well. That is quite interesting. Um, becomes a tattoo on your arm. Also exciting is also a flute that plays a haunting melody. We already have one flute. I think that there may be an opportunity for us to pick up a second minor ability tied to the presence of a flute in our story. Mm-hmm. But I think I think let's make it a non-flute for now, although I do also have a recorder that I could use as a flute substitute. <laughs> um, although there may be other people in this home that are not. This is a surprisingly, surprisingly musical uh, podcast. Yeah, well, I'm playing a bard. I'm doing this to to torment you specifically, Eamon. So, let's (laughs) go with... um, Oh, man. I'm between becomes a tattoo on your arm, 
when held to your eyes lets you see through illusions and can summon a flock of ravens to your area. What just came to my mind was a weapon named Murder that can summon mm-hmm. a flock of ravens like as one of its powers, I think, would be. Oh, that's very good. I almost want to save that for a time when we do this later. And I think it becomes a tattoo on my arm. Okay. Do you know what that tattoo might look like? I think it is a treble clef, the symbol that is most uh, identifiably sort of on sheet music. It's a treble clef, but as I pull it from my, I think it's a, it's a tattoo where on my arm, as I pull it from my arm, the treble clef unwinds as though I'm peeling it out and it sort of springs into life as a dueling saber. Is that a painful experience? Oh, I think it was very, it was very unsettling the first time I did it, but it looks much more painful than it is. Okay. And how does it go back to the tattoo? Um, I have a couple of ideas here. The one that immediately jumps to my mind is I stab the sword full force into the arm where the tattoo uh, lies or into any part of my arm. And that's where the tattoo ends up. Um, And as I stab it in, rather than it cutting through, it just oozes into the skin and and recoils into its original shape of the treble clef. Interesting. So conceivably, it could be anywhere on your body. Uh, Yes, although I think I'm going to generally go with my arm in the spirit of what the game says. Sure. Okay. Now, your weapon also has its own desire and its own craving. And it grants you the ability to use its moves uh, contained within it when it is fed. So select a craving for the weapon. All um, right. In a similar token, uh, just for our, our listeners who, who are not looking at this list, uh, some things on this list include the laughter of children, peace and serenity, to be heated cherry red in a fire, physical pleasure, near-death experience, and freshly spilled blood, for example. I think I'm going to be going with near-death experience. Okay. And that does not have to be you. That is when, mm-hmm. when the weapon is near someone who becomes close to death but survives. Okay. Lovely. So just to, just to recap, my sword is a close and precise weapon with, which respects my charm. It is a tattoo on my arm when I am not using it as a weapon. And it desires near-death experiences. I like, I like the that. idea that this sword is almost like addicted to adventure. And it's mm-hmm. like, if it's, if it's ever doing something, if it's ever sitting on a shelf, it would be extremely unhappy. And it right. wants to be at the forefront of dangerous places, which perhaps is why it's compelling you to go to one of the most dangerous mm-hmm. places of all. Oh, certainly. Now, you also get to roll a d4, and that will be oh. the number of past wielders of this weapon. A d4, you say? Allow me to go to my chainmail bag of dice very slowly and quietly into the microphone. (laughs) Okay. I've got my D4. I am rolling it. And it is a three. A three. So three previous wielders. So Mm -hmm. for each previous wielder, you will name them and just say what class they are. Okay, so I'm going to go completely up myself here. One of the previous wielders was a fighter named Schofield Wallitsworth, who is a character that I played in a very fun game way back in the day. 
Schofield Wallet's worth is a uh, wielded a a cleaver uh, for much of his early career before eventually upgrading to this uh, this legendary saber. Okay. And let's see. It says name them and then. Oh, I see. Name them and then choose one of the following. There's a there's a comma splice. Cool. So that's one of them. Um, okay. And I will say from him, from um, Schofield Wallsworth, you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on. I have actually... I'm remiss. I have notes here that I should be taking. Lovely. I'm going to write that down. Otherwise, I will forget. Cool. While Eamon writes that down, I'm just going to shout it to the stream again. If you want to call in, we'd love to hear your, your thoughts, your questions. This is for you as much as it is for us. And what is your character's name one more time? Uh, my character is Willem Wellmet. As in Willem Defoe, but the opposite last name. <laughs> okay. Schofield Wallsworth. Mm-hmm. So from Schofield, you have inherited his, through this weapon, his prodigious strength. So the bend bars, lift gates move will be available to you in the weapon. I love bend bars, lift gates. Greatest move. Big fan of that move. Sweet. All right. So bend bars, lift gates. Sounds good. Um, Now, because I'm doing this as shout-outs to players that I've been or that I've played with. Um, I'd like to shout out Jan the Immolator from my regular game. Jan the Immolator was, of course, a uh, he, I think, was the originator of this sort of blackening of the weapon into the skin. Although, for him, it was Ash. All right. And from Jan the Immolator, I'm going to say that you will get the move. Um, what's what's the name of the one where you can like look into someone's eyes? Another desire is that give me fuel, give me fire. That sounds right. Yes. Okay. Give me fuel, give me fire. Yes. Okay, give me fuel, give me fire. So I can look into the eyes of anyone and ask what fuels the flames of your desire. They will answer honestly. Correct, while you are satisfying the weapon's desire. Right, right, so that's per- the rule, okay. Um, so perhaps as someone lays dying, you can ask mm-hmm. them such a question. Or, you know, well, uh, to me that's not even really, a, I'm going to quibble for a second, to me that's not a near-death experience, because they're going to die. Or as you're healing them, right? Like as ah yes, right. Okay, I can see that. All right, and then finally, one more shout out to a a player in my um in my regular game, uh, Triskadeka, the wizard. She was a great wizard. Voyaged further than the farthest star. And in her quest, never forgot her home. Triskadeka. Triskadeka, as in Triskadekaphobia, the fear of the number 13. 
I knew I recognized that from somewhere. One of many great character names that player has come up with. Ooh, I'm going to give you an option on this one. Uh-oh. Can you, you can either have the move Spell Defense mm-hmm. or the move Ritual. Oh, no. Don't give me that choice. It's got to be Ritual. It's Ritual. Ritual. Oh, I really want it's... Spell Defense because that makes more sense, but I really want Ritual, so I'm taking it. It's mine. Thank you. Okay, Ritual. I like the idea of maybe Jan the Immolator was the original wielder of this weapon and perhaps the creator. Mm-hmm. That's believable. That he forged it. Yeah. And that he maybe bequeathed it to Schofield. And that Triskideka sought it out, knowing of its power, and it mm-hmm. has recently come into your hands. Yes, I believe all of that is correct. Knowing these characters as I do. Okay, cool. So I've got Ben Bars, Lift Gates, Give Me Fuel, Give Me Fire, and Ritual. Looking forward to that ritual. All right. By my count, that is the whole of it. Is it time for us to start uh, start playing? Yes, I'm trying to remind myself um, uh, some of the mechanics of how this weapon actually works, uh, mm-hmm. just that we're both um, in the clear on that. Sure so thing. the weapon bond, um, when you hold the weapon for the first time, um, you can open yourself up to be judged by the weapon in hopes of proving your worth, and you roll plus um, respect. Which is okay. whichever stat is the, your respect stat, so for charisma mm-hmm. for you. Yes, in my case, and charisma, yes. On a hit, the weapon has found you worthy, and you are bound and cannot be bound again. And you, one of your moves is copied to the weapon for the future. And you get access to the bargain for power and transference moves. On a 10+, plus, it gifts you one of its legacy moves, and you get to keep that even in the absence of the weapon. Mm-hmm. And on a seven to nine, it allows you one legacy move that you can use freely. Um, but I believe still only as long as the weapon is in your possession. And on a six minus, you get a curse. So we Super. should we I should do like that now. As right, we uh, roll weapon bond. Well, let let's uh, let's uh, give a little bit of fiction of you getting the weapon. Okay, so, certainly. I like, um, I'll set the scene for you. Mm-hmm. Where, I'll ask you a question first. Where uh, were on an average uh, weekday um, when he is in, in lean times, um, when, when he's beginning to stir from the peaceful life, would we find, uh, would we find Will? So Willem definitely, is, on, a, on a weekday night, isn't picking up that much, barred work at the moment because there hasn't been any new there aren't there aren't any new songs to be written right now oh it's probably willem drowning his sorrows at the pasture which is of course one of the great pubs of the city where he is which is lacria the city of lacria yes so as you as you sit nursing 
something frothy in mm-hmm. in a in a, and a, a tall seat. stein. Yes, and a tall stein uh, in a booth in the pasture in the great city of Lacria. Um, you hear the sound of feet um, coming rapidly down the stairs, and a breathless, red-faced boy comes from one of the upper rooms and says, mm-hmm. "Well, I have been looking for everywhere." Ah, and you recognize this to be Riker, one of the couriers. He Riker, you has, say? Yes. Okay. He is holding a long package um, wrapped um, in leathers, um, mm-hmm. about seventy uh, percent of his own height, um, since he is quite short and. It is a little bit awkward for him, but he runs to you and he says, I, I, I've been given a task from a, a real wizard. Uh, her last wishes, in fact. She wanted you to have this. And he presses into your hands this package, this oddly, oddly long package. Hmm. Thank you, lad. Is there any, any cash on delivery or something else I need to render onto you? She says she, she, she paid me quite handsomely. Uh, I do accept tips, uh, but I need to so give you I. this note. And he, he extends to you uh, a sealed envelope. All right. So I'll take that sealed envelope, and with a flourish, I shall, I shall open it in one fell swoop. It, it is very easy for me to do, unlike in real life, where envelopes are my deepest fear. So and as... Pull, yes. As you break the seal, the envelope tugs itself out of your hands and hovers a short distance in front of you and folds almost into um, a sort of facsimile of a mouth and, and, and speaks to you, its contents. Um, and you, and you, you're reminded that this is a missive from a wizard. Mm, um, yes, of course. And you hear the voice of Triskadeka, um, who perhaps you knew in life, or at least knew of. Maybe you sung songs of her, and Mm -hmm. she respected you for that. I Um, certainly did. And she says, My life has been long, but my time has now come. And of all my possessions parceled out to well-wishers, relatives, and enemies um, throughout the realm, this, one of my most prized, comes to you. It's a sword of some repute that has been twice wielded before it come to, came to my hands and shall be wielded a fourth time in your own. I think all else you shall know shall reveal itself in time, for this weapon itself holds many secrets. And then the envelope falls simply onto the, onto the counter in front of you. Ah, Triskodeka. Long have I sung songs of your return to the Ashen Walk and your homeland. And now I hope you have made that walk, that voyage to your, to your people again. And I think then I take the package and, and pull whatever is inside it out. You pull out a, a rapier. Um, not, not particularly fancy it's not necessarily gilded or anything like that um but as soon as your skin makes contact with it your eyes um glaze over for a half a second as as you're flooded with almost a chorus of voices and and emotions um and you see um i'd like to hear a vignette um uh from from schofield of of some significant moment of him um 
him uh, understanding the true power of the weapon, one from Mian and one from Triskadeka. And I and if you want to defer any of those back to me, I can. No, I, can I think those. I think I can do this. Go uh, for it. You know these so, characters better than I. I'm sure. Well, we'll, we'll find <laughs> out. So in Schofield's hand, in his left, there is the the severed head of a Medusa, which he holds aloft, and in his right there is what remains of his cleaver, his signature weapon. He curses and grabs at a wall as he holds the Medusa head aloft and pulls from it a relatively mundane dueling saber, dueling rapier. Um, And with that, he changes his stance so that the weapon is at its front and charges headlong into the fray, um, tossing tossing the head behind him in favor of his shield. He swings out across a balcony um, and lands heavy amongst the horde, half statuesque and half all too alive, uh, holding them at bay with the weapon, which is ultimately what he'll need to use now that his cleaver is spent. He works his way out of the room through a massive plate glass window and into the river below. All right. For the dying. next one, for the next one, I would allow I I would request that you work in what the weapon craves, and for the third one, I would request that you work in its minor ability, as those things are being learned by your character in these mm-hmm. vignettes. Wonderful. Um. So. Yeah, I was trying to go for craving with the near death experience at the end there, but I don't know if that really played. Oh, okay. Um, so well, I'm ha- and I'm happy, of course, to uh, to dive into that a little bit more. So it's Jan. Jan has is picking through the is picking through the remains of a massive army's onslaught, one that he was able to hold off. He goes for various scraps of metal and casts them into his uh, casts them into a, a pit behind him. That pit, of course, will will not in not in too much time be filled with molten slag. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Schofield bequeathed this weapon to Jan directly, yes? In your narration earlier? Uh, I think earlier we had um, postulated that Jan created the weapon and then gave it to Schofield. Ah, wonderful. Then it's the other way around. So yes, it's Jan... Ah, what is it? It's Jan gathering the mundane weapons of his fallen foes and casting them into a pit. He works a small amount of immolator magic and with tools on hand, he, he pulls just a little bit of flame from the ether. And the weapon that he crafts is simple for he is not a, for, for his charisma is not in the service of, of ostentatiousness. It's, in the service of community building. And the saber reflects that. But he doesn't feel right carrying a sword at his side. That is not him. So with a word, he turns the blade to ash and and smears that ash along his arm. Where it resolves. Oh, it, it merely embeds itself. No pattern, uh, no, no real pattern to it. It's just sort of smoke. Ah, okay. 
And then let's talk about Triss, Triss Kadeka. And this one I think is, is we've covered the minor ability, so now I, I need to cover Craving, yes? Yes. Wonderful. So this is Triska Decca. Before she met Death the first time, she's in a suit of armor that dwarfs even the tallest tower. And as she strides across a landscape mottled with beaches and craters, she feels the spine of the Goliath forcing its way through the armor into the core where she controls, where she controls it. And then she awakens, her shaman staff replaced by a spell book, and her sword lapping up the blood of her foe. It did almost kill her, but in the end, she was too powerful to be defeated there. Is that near death enough, or do you want me to take another crack at it? No, that's perfect. I I like the idea that there is some tell when the weapon is pleased as well. Mm-hmm. Like when, when the weapon is is sort of um high off of this experience of near death. Mm-hmm. Um and you could you could tell me what that is as well. Does it glow visibly or grow warm in your hands or create a pitch or some 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 sort? Yes, it thrums. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. And I so, think this does this not trigger weapon bond? Yes. Um, trigger weapon bond, so roll plus charisma. And All as right, well, here we go. Sorry, yes? I would like you to name the weapon as well. Oh, I suppose I have to. Because you find it here, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the note said nothing of the weapon's name. And all of these images were, were merely um, e- emotions and, and, and bloodshed. So the weapon is unnamed as of yet. Uh, I think that it is named. Um, part of me wants to name it Treble because I've already specified that Treble is the name is the tattoo that it resolves to. But I feel like that is like I, I I can go one deeper on it. Um, I think its name is Cord. C H O R D. I just had an image of a Willem sitting there and being like. Oh, what's this, Arapia? You'll bring me nothing but trouble. Ah, that's what I'll call you. <laughs> yep, that's that's what I'm always quick to crack. All right, I'm gonna roll. Go for it. I'm gonna stop shaking these dice around. All right, that is a five. All right, five and a four, so that's nine plus two is eleven. Eleven. So the weapon also gifts you one of its legacy moves, and that move is permanently yours. You can lose use this even without the weapon. And you can use the rest by giving the weapon what it craves. Your choices again are bend bars, lift gates, desire, or or give me fuel, give me fire, or ritual. I think ritual is the one that I will take. So Triskadeka's experiences resonated most strongly with you. Certainly. So you feel magic and some piece of Triskadeka flow permanently into you as you hold as you hold this this blade, which seems only fitting as it is she who bequeathed it to you, and perhaps this is her final her final gift. Mm. Uh, wonderful. All and right. do, I, do I immediately kind of understand this tattoo ability? Yes. I have to, I have to suspect I do. So, so with that, I, I take it and I slot it into my forearm 
uh, into the fleshy underside of my wrist. And for you, it assumes this shape of the of the treble clef, which is new for it. I, I assume that that the specific um, nature of the tattoo is is changing for the wielder. Okay, so going on, when it, you are holding the weapon and you feed the weapon what it desires, you will gain a single hold, and you at any given time can carry one hold. Um, mm -hmm. You can then spend that hold to command the weapon to grant you access to its experiences. Um, and when you do, you roll plus respect. So you, you gain the hold when the weapon is fed, and then later when you want to use its moves, you roll plus respect. Um, on a 10 plus, you basically get the moves all day. On a 7 to 9, you get them for a single scene. On a 6 minus, the weapon gains a curse for the remainder of the day, and mm. you only get to use a single move one time. So that's how that will work going forward. That sounds good. Okay. All right. So I I like the idea that this weapon is in your possession for several weeks and you have various um various experiences with it but only really tapping into some small uh the tip of the iceberg of its of its true power as it were and you begin to feel restless but you almost feel that restless emanating restlessness emanating from the weapon itself as the weapon grows grows tired of your routines that you've fallen into and you almost become um dissatisfied with yourself perhaps where you realize like yes i, I have grown lethargic or perhaps mundane Yes, uh, these yeah, traveling yeah. clothes have not been weathered in nearly nearly a month. Is this the Willem that the songs will sing of? Certainly not. Um, and surely your best days can't be behind you, can they? Oh, certainly not. So when no. the call goes out, when once again you see Riker running from place to place, and this time looking red-faced again as if something's important is happening, um... You have to stop and ask him what's the matter, and he tells you that the um, the king of Lacria has um, declared that the time for Tar Seminus's return is quite right, and that the kingdom cannot go the kingdom of Lacria cannot go with the high champion of Saramet much longer, and he has previously been privately commissioning expeditions to bring him back which has only recently become public knowledge, all have failed, and now he's issuing an open bounty that any who can bring back Tarseminus or proof of his demise will be rewarded richly. So, richly, you say? Richly. Well, to, to find, to seek out fair Tarseminus. Oh, that is bounty enough, but also this coin purse does grow slim. Perhaps it is time. Yes. Yes, perhaps it is time to strike out on the road once again. So Tar Seminus has been gone long enough that there are actually songs of his falling into... Um, falling into... Not, not obscurity, but him going missing. There, there, there are songs of, of, of the tale of him falling into legend, I guess, as it were. Yes. And th th that is your only lead. So mm. I'll tell you the information um, known, um, and you tell me like what the, the name of the song is, or like, or like how that is presented to you. 
you essentially know that he descended underground uh, beneath Lacria when Lacria was during a period of its highest decadence. And he came down, down until he reached the mouth of hell, as the songs say, and um, stared at uh, death's face, they say, and then slipped through a crack and th- from thence into legend. Mm. Made himself a legend forevermore. So what, what is the, the, the name of the song that uh, this is, is, uh, is from? And this is a well-known, well I, am, I imagine. Yes. Well, the song, of course, is called Down, Down, Down to the Mouth of Hell. Um, it's got sort of a sort of a tavern twang to it. Very, uh, very simple instrumentation meant to be sung by a by a fair voice and a simple accompaniment on a multi-stringed instrument. So, of course, I know it well. Down, down, down to the mouth of hell. All right. And following in the footsteps, you hope of Tarsemenus, you find yourself descending down, down, down to the mouth of hell um, on a journey that ends up um, ends up taking you two full days of descending as you first visit the, the temple of Saramet and the acolytes um, disparage this cause and, and tell you that um, it, it is it's hopeless and you press on anyway and you end up um, they, they, they let, lead you to the place where your journey will begin in the crypt, and you descend and descend and descend and continue to descend until you see the um, the the man-made stonework cease, and there is a small shrine um, which ha- the writing on which has long since been effaced away. Um, and behind the shrine, sort of towards the ground behind the shrine, is a crack just wide enough uh, to crawl through. Hmm. That crack is a mouth if I ever saw one. And I take my loot and I string it up on my back. I rub my arm ruefully on the spot where my tattoo has uh, has started to started to thrum with excitement. And I crawl on my belly through the through the hole. As you crawl through, the smell of sulfur and ash becomes very potent and you find yourself in a circular room with flagstone floors that is dimly lit by a reddish glow from the feature that is dominating the room which is a massive upturned skull um and when i say massive i mean uh about twice the size of what you would imagine an elephant skull to be that is facing upturned in a pool of what appears to be a dark brine of some sort Hmm. And the skull is just staring upwards. The other notable features in the room are there are four doorways um, at the cardinal directions, all of which look like they um, are staircases going down. Interesting. So four doors, a skull, mouth up, with brownish brine around it. So sort of a shallow pool that the skull is poking out of? 
Correct. Most of the room is that pool, and there is okay. about a, a three-foot uh, ledge uh, which circles the room, and that is what all of these doorways are opening onto. Hmm. Ah, so these these doorways all open onto this, but each of the doorways has a staircase leading down. Yeah, down and away. So down, down and away. So, so I came in through sort of a crack in the corner of the room. Yes, it's a circular room. You came in a crack between just between two of between those doors. Doors. Yeah. Okay. Well, hmm. I stand corrected. I suppose this is the mouth of hell. Ah, uh, it would appear so. Well, down, down, down to the mouth of hell. They sang. Suppose better, better follow in those footsteps. Coming for Tar Seminus. It should be noted that the the skull exudes a deep aura of menace. You almost mm. you almost cannot look away. That you you are drawn to the skull, and and in order to just try to take in the rest of the room, you have to willfully peel your eyes from it. And mm. it, there is almost the air in the room is still and, and stagnant but almost like within yourself you can feel this pulsing in and out as if there are great astral breaths being taken mm. let's see so i think that i'm distracted enough by this skull that it doesn't occur to me that i could probably find a small rock or some other bit of debris to toss in there first so i think what i do uh, I did at the beginning of this, and and we can revise this as needed. I did pick a, uh, I did pick a short sword as part of my starting kit. Sure. So I'd like to pull that short sword from my belt, uh, scabbard and all, and just sort of toss it into the skull's mouth, just to see what happens. The uh, the sword uh, lands in the brine with a wet splash. And just sinks down into it, and you and you lose sight of it. Okay. Hmm. Well, deeper than I thought. All right. Well, never was one for swimming. Let's see if I can find some way to get down here without ruining the wood of this instrument. Um, and I, I think I start to. I kind of tear myself away from that. Like the the splash is enough for me to say, "Oh, that's not an option. Let's go someplace else." Sure. And I start to look at look into some of these staircases down. They all look mostly uh, identical at, at first glance, but uh, you, as an adventurer, know that surely uh, there there is uh, options of danger and options of lucrative uh, potential. Are you doing anything specific uh, to to look at these um, staircases? There is north, west, south, and an east one. Hmm. Well, I think what I'm doing is I'm kind of I'm I'm sticking my head through. I'm peering down. I'm looking for any any useful any useful thing that might impact my decision about where to go next. And whenever I I look down one of these staircases and I don't see something that would impact that decision, I go to the next one and sort of have that same uh and make that ask that same question. Okay. Um And at a certain point, I think. Uh, provided that this doesn't trigger discern realities, I think I just pick a staircase at random and start walking down. I think this would trigger discern realities. All right, then I shall roll plus Wiz. Now, Wiz is my 12, which has no bonus associated therewith. So this is just a flat roll. And that's an 11. All right, second 11 of the night. All right. 
hit me with your questions whenever you're ready. All right. So just so that we can read this out loud for the nice people at home, I'm going to grab my basic moves reference guide. That's just another barbarian character sheet. I can pull it up if you like. There, oh, I got it handy. So okay. uh, discern realities. When you closely study a situation of person, roll plus whiz on a 10 plus, ask three questions. The questions list is what happened here recently? What is about to happen? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who's really in control here? And what here is not what it appears to be? Helping out. Um, I think my first question will be what here is not what it appears to be? Okay. Go ahead and ask all three. Or actually, I, I, I think that as being a fan of your character, it might benefit you to have your answers, your questions build on each other. So I'll just um, say... Um, Excellent use of a principle. Yes. So, so I'll, I'll answer this one um, first so that there's an, there's as little overlap as possible. You can get a good amount of information from this. So yeah, bearing what in mind is that this is from looking down the stairs. What is not what it appears to be is that the stairs themselves are kind of alarming because you have been traveling downwards and have not seen the sun for almost two days. Remember, you came all the way down mm. into that shrine, um, which um, you know is purported to be the deepest point in the city. Like the tour guides and things like that would say, you know, the city goes all the way from the King's Spire to the deepest shrine of Saramet. And that's supposed to be where all ends. But this this whole horrible skull is not spoken of anywhere. So what is not what it appears to be is that you get the sense somehow of looking at these staircases that it goes far deeper still. You get the sense that there is miles more underneath where you are standing, even below this skull. Oh dear. Yeah, so it is not the the end of the journey that it appears to be. It is just the beginning. All right. Well, what here is useful or valuable to me? What is useful or valuable to you is that one of and I'm going to would you like me to give you uh, an answer and ask you how you know it or to provide some some means for you to know these things? Um, I think let's go with the former. The former? Okay. Ask questions, so, use the answers. Okay, so um, you want me to just tell you the, the information apropos of nothing? Is that is that the option? Well, and then ask me how I know it. Okay, so yes. what you do know is that each of these staircases leads down to its own um, castle, that there are four mm -hmm. different castles that um, are, are connected to this room by each of those um, great staircases, mm -hmm. and that one of the castle is weaker than the others, less well-guarded, guarded only by um, husks of husks of things instead of the horrible guardians that um, stalk the rest of this place. Ah, and I know exactly how I know this. And it would be the West Castle. Okay, wonderful. So I'm going to make a little into myself. Go West. Here's how I know this. Um... The version of the the version of the song "Down, Down, Down to the Mouth of Hell" that I sing, it basically terminates at this room. You know, like obviously, I don't know what happened further than this, but it's, sure. I'm not the only person who who performs this song. And so, as I'm in this room, I'm humming it to myself because it's basically my anthem for this whole trip. And I realize, oh, I'm I'm not using the lyrics I usually sing. I'm using the lyrics that I heard this other singer use. 
which sings of the four castles at the bottom of the stairs. It hadn't occurred to me that this was even the same song because their performance of it was so different, but I put it to the tune and it worked. And yeah, down to the west, there's the castle of husks that uh, something, something. Uh, okay. And that is enough for me to think, oh, yes, west, of course. Down, down deep to the castle's floor, mind your way at the western door. Ah, now now we're talking. You're better at the Through the others, nevermore. Mm. Of course. Clock a classic a song. Sure. All right, oh. and I have one more question. Yes, you do. Mm. Who's really in control here? So, who's really in control here? I think that your understanding of this is probably going to be leveraging your expertise expertise of the gods. Um, mm-hmm. Who's really in control here is a a council of Ooh. 13 beings known as pit lords. And the legends that you know, all you know about them is that they are obscenely um, greedy and obscenely powerful, and they are all mm-hmm. squabbling somewhere down here, and that they... Um, you have no idea what they might appear as in the flesh but you do know that there are 13 of them mm. and that whenever one is destroyed in any manner some other tortured soul will rise up and become the new one so they're not oh. divine proper but they're they're just great leeches of the world in their own right i see yes 13 pit lords but four castles ah uh, yes i know a i know a canon about this one well, to the west, I say, and I, um, I kind of twang the string of my bow and then strum the strings of my lute as I make my way down the stairs to the westmost castle. All right. So, as you descend down perhaps a hundred or more steps, the stair still goes on, but on a brief landing on the stairs of about uh, maybe five feet in depth or so is an armor-clad figure holding a smoking orb in one hand and a great sword in the other. And he is head to toe in plate and mail and there there is no flesh visible. And his face is not visible either through the broad visor of his um, ash-colored helm. And he says not a word, but stands such that he is clearly blocking your passage. Hmm. Or she, I suppose. Yes. So, is she unmoving? Or does she... Does, is there obviously something in there? Um, you can tell that there's something in there. Because the, the fumes that are rising from this sulfurous, sulfurous orb, um, which smells absolutely awful, hmm. uh, are intermittently being drawn through the visor and into the helmet ah, itself as if it is breathing it in. I see. Well, blocking my path, you say? Yes. Hmm. Well, then I shall shout, You! Fair blockade! What business have you in this, in this westernmost stare? The... The knight um, simply gestures upwards beyond you 
pointing an armored finger and then gestures down the stair behind it and opens a palm as if to say, you may go down, then gestures down behind it and then upwards and then brandishes its blade as if to say, you cannot return. I see. Well, I appreciate the sage advice. Now, when you say cannot return, is that a cannot return by this stair, or is it more of a cannot return by any means possible? And I would like for this to trigger my bard move, bardic lore, as I think I'm encountering an important creature right now. Um, Yes. And this is my one question. Okay. So you would know this creature to be what is referred to in the tales as a hell knight. There, yes. uh, there are. This is basically the highest station that a um, that a reinstantiated soul can attain. Um, they are addicted to the mana of pain that uh, suffuses all down here. And they can only breathe uh, the the air of the uh, sulfurous sulfurous stone that they that they hold, which checks out as you're seeing before you. Mm-hmm. And that their armor is um, to become a hell knight, you must kill one and take their armor. So they are the armor is is ornate and anachronistic because they uh, armor is potentially aeons aeons old at this point. So and they they are they are the guardians both of the castles and of the stairs themselves. And typically, you would encounter uh, several of them, and not, not one in isolation, but this is the, the, weak, the mm-hmm. weak direction. So you are, that, that checks out that you're only encountering a single knight. Okay, wonderful. And then I'd like to conclude this conversation by asking very nicely, whom do you serve? Which... I think ought to trigger, uh, as I speak frankly with this knight, ought to trigger my charming and open as a bard. But if that's not enough to trigger, then I'm happy to uh, modify the action slightly. Uh, yeah, when you speak frankly with someone, whom do you serve? The um, the knight um, looks to you. It drops um, the arm of that holding its sulfur stone to its side and exhales a yellowish mist through all of the ports. And it says to you in a voice uh, that sounds as if it has not tasted fresh air in its entire lifetime, Mm -hmm. um, says, I reject the pit lords and I serve my term guarding this lonely stair for hope that I might hear Mulsuba's flute once more in my time. Well, I, out of character for a moment, you now may ask a question back from the bard list. Would you like to hear the bard list? Oh, yes, I would. Whom do you serve? What do you wish I would do? How can I get you to blank? What are you really feeling right now? And what do you most desire? Um, th- that th- th- this this knight is going to ask you that question. Yes. Okay. So the knight says, "You are a musician, no? 
as he sees the instrument on your back. Do you also do you also desire the sweet notes of Mulsuba's flute? So he's asking whether you desire that or if there's something more. Ah, I see. Ah, the sweet lilt of a flute as legendary as Mulsiver's. Why, of course, the notion entertains me, but no, I, I seek a far dearer treasure. Tar Seminus, most noble and fair paladin of Saramet. Oh, though Saramet may hold no, no binds over me, why, to rescue the great Tar Seminus, that is, that is a treasure truly worth seeking, even in the depths of a place so foul. <laughs> the creature before you begins to rattle, and the, the armor sort of like shakes as if it is being suffering a hacking cough, which you take after a moment of surprise to the laughter as it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Tar Seminus. I have not heard that name in a while. In that case, I will refrain from the usual price of passage, which is to suffer a blow from my notched sword, and I will save that pleasure for Tarsimonis himself. Well, as you may recall from earlier in our conversation, you did indicate we would not be returning this way. He says, oh no. A blow is the price of entry. Death is the price of exit. I see. Well, then, perhaps we are at odds. He's out of character. He was saying that he will um, let you pass completely unscathed if you seek Tarseminus, implicating that Tarseminus himself would extract prices in blood from you. Or uh, that would seem to be what he is implying. Gotcha. I got the other implication, which is that this knight was intending to extract the price from Tarseminus instead. No, so, yeah, I'm glad we're clear. Yeah, okay. Well, equally good. <laughs> but I do still feel we are at odds. After all, apparently I will not be... Re- apparently, should I return this way, it will be the last steps I take. Hmm. Well, I do suppose that we will... We will one day meet again, then. It seems to be my lot in life. Do you have a name, Sir Knight? My name is Malgor. Malgor? Although I have not spoken it in quite some time, and it sounds strange on my tongue. Truth be told, if we do see each other again, I will be greatly impressed and will relish the opportunity to duel you. During my time as a Hell Knight, none that have passed me have returned. Well, Malgor, I may not have the flute, not yet anyway, but shall I leave you with a song to remember me fondly by? He hesitates, and almost against his better judgment seems to convalesce. He says, Were there any other hell knights here, I may decline. But seeing as to hear Mulsiba's flute, one day is a dream which I fear may never come to pass. I will settle, even for the notes of such tawdry musician as you surely are. 
Hmm. Tawdry indeed. I, uh, I, where I lack the, well, perhaps I shall let my music speak for itself. Um, he settles back against the wall, almost leaning against the wall, crooking himself on his great blade and bringing the sulfur stone close to his face. He can inhale deeply as he listens. Yes. And, well, so here, here's what I'd like to do. And I want to see whether or not this is something... I, I'm hoping that when I start playing this song and I weave this performance into a basic spell, thus triggering arcane art, I'm hoping that I may be able to... When I choose this ally, I'm hoping that I may be able to choose Malgor as my ally. Because at this time, I don't think of us as enemies in any meaningful way. So you're, you're hoping to affect him um, in a beneficial manner with your art? Precisely true, yes. Okay, yeah, you can certainly, you can certainly attempt that. Wonderful. So I'm, I play a song that, is, that makes aggressive, heavy use of long, open drones on, on open strings. The chords are simple, but there's a shimmer to them. And as I weave this performance into a basic spell... I attempt to charm my newfound ally and shake their mind clear of one enchantment. So, I'm going to roll plus charisma and hope very much for a 10 plus. Ah, uh, and that is a 10 plus 2 is 12. A 12. Yes, good rolls tonight. All right. There is... Uh, uh, a stillness as the as the final chord uh, rings out and resonates very um, very pleasingly. You might add you you wouldn't expect that this long stare to be such an acoustically satisfying space, but it's almost as if the the sounds resonate all the way up to the uh, the chamber of the skull and then down to wherever this leads to and, and back. And that this is a sort of harmonic medium where the you're well positioned to to hear it. Um, almost as if this place cries out for song and that you have finally given it such. The, the fingers of the gauntlet holding the sulfur stone relax such that as the final note rings out, it drops the stone to the ground and pulls the face plate aside to reveal a face smoldering uh, with cracks in the skin uh, greatly reddened, aggravated, um, and there is a single uh, a single line on each side of wetness stretching down, where it appears that the the knight is is crying, um, and set, and re just realizing um, its own reality, perhaps as if it's been shaken from from a terrible dream, and. It slowly sinks to its own knees and just begins begins to to weep. Its sword discarded at its side. Malgor, my friend, I know not the nature of your of your imprisonment here, but the stair is long and high, and I'd say if you started now, you could make surface within the week. Please, the sun, your face deserves the sun again. 
It says, what life is there for me up there? Look at me. I bear the marks of hell all too deeply. You have provided me a respite here. I'm shaken clear of the need for pain, the addiction to its cruel manna. But above, I may be ready for the surface, but is the surface ready for such as I? Indeed, would I even survive the journey two days without food? No longer can I gain sustenance from this sulfur stone. Perhaps you have doomed me to starvation. Ah, well, I wasn't going to do this, but here. Um, and I, I pull from my pack a dungeon ration. I can't promise that this will sustain you all the way to the surface, but it will at least sustain you to the shrine and beyond. There are followers of Saramet there, but they... I hope that they are good enough to feed the hungry, no matter where the hungry originate. Almost as if it wishes to push its blasted luck no further, it takes this parcel from you and begins its way up the stair, leaving behind not only its helmet and the sulfur stone, but its blade as well. Um, are you? I, I would like to also know what was the nature of the ration that you gave it. Was it... Uh, dried mushrooms or some sort of hardtack or some sort of strips of meat? It was a long-cured salami. Mm -hmm. um, Something that is preserved by the amount of salt and, um, I guess, nitrate that that is present in the the ground meat. Hmm. I like to think that that would be quite palatable to this creature that has survived on nothing but sulfur and the smells of the molten salt yeah. rivers below for yes, quite a long it's time. A, it's extremely gamey. I think it's probably boar originally, so very... Uh, it's got a, a real flavor to it. Um, now, you say that Melgor left behind his helmet. Indeed. Interesting. Now, would you remind me again? The Hell Knight's helmet has had some sort of meaning um, that wearing the armor of a Hell Knight did something. Would you would you remind me of those details? So, the um, the Hell Knights themselves are um, armored, uh, both executioners, poets, and warlords um, of 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 this land. And by tradition, they do not attack one another, um, which is one of the perks of their high station. Uh, the ornate armor is their basically badge of office, and they to become a hell knight, you must kill a hell knight, don its armor, and take up its sword. Is basically that. So now you have. Yeah. Um, I've, got the, I've got the helmet and the sword, which is going to be a very anachronistic sight. Um, uh, you you expect because to see part of that in isolation means that there is a Hell Knight incomplete, which is yes. not some uh, concept that uh, is supposed to is supposed to exist. The sword also has um, special special properties. Mm. I don't know what your plans what your plans for that are. Well I think it would be prudent of me to make this sword less threatening when I return via this path. On the off chance that 
my friend Malgor has a change of heart and decides to resume his post, or another Hell Knight makes it up here. I don't want them to have two swords. So I'd like to take a crack at destroying this sword in an expedient way. I, I'm imagining that it is a long, you said blackened and notched blade? Yes. All right. So I think my instinct is to take that blade, um, wrap it in, is it, is it particularly sharp? Uh, I think we could have you roll spout lore on the sword itself, because the blades of the Hell Knights are things that the, the songs perhaps didn't get into much specifics on. Mm. Yes, that's probably true. I, I think I do think, oh, Hell Knights, swords. I know a little bit about Hell Knights from somewhere. What do I know? And then roll spout lore. Plus int, which is a zero for me, so this is going to go bad. Yep, that's a four. I'm going to mark some experience. Wop, wop. All right. Oh, wise GM, let us experience our first failure of the evening. All right. So how I would like this to go is the sword appears quite brittle. Um, that you almost say, this this rusty thing, how could this harm me? And you set about uh, propping it against the wall um, such that uh, a triangle is created by, by uh, mm-hmm. placing the, the, the hilt against the wall and the blade against the floor and trying to stomp on it to, to snap it. Yes. Um, and cut yourself nicely in the process there. Oh, um, it, it, won't, it won't be something that will um, leave you with a, you know, a great deal of of harm. It'll, it'll be painful as you walk about um, on one of your calves. Um, you very nearly hamstrung yourself, which would have been yeah, hard. But, but it sounds um, like something that might leave a nasty scar. Sure. It will leave, leave, it'll certainly leave a nasty scar. Not enough to well, gain the scarred condition. Necessarily. Ah, that's, that's what I was wondering about. Uh, um, and, and it also be, will be um, covered uh, by your by your um, by your boot um, once once you just like readjust and whatnot, it, it cuts you in the upper calf. But what is truly uh, unfortunate about this is that um, as it snaps, there is almost a screaming, and mm. you feel certain that somehow, in some way, um, other other you are marked. Oh, good! I love so, being marked. Yeah. All right. Well, I suppose I ought to be. Continuing on. Is there a banister or anything? There is not. There are two smooth walls, an arching ceiling, and then the weathered stairs stairs going down. Okay, so I can't slide down the banister like a cool like a cool guy. Unfortunately. That that's a luxury reserved for the stairs in heaven. All right. That sounds about right. Um well guess I should continue on down. And I'm going to continue on down. All right, so you continue down for what seems to be um, an hour or more until, blessedly, you finally are done with these accursed stairs. Although the thought strikes you as you step down the last one, I was going down that whole time. And you shudder to think what going up such an amount of stairs might entail uh, physically. Mm -hmm. But you come out onto a balcony. And this is almost a grim version of walking of the what the experience must be to walk out on the on the papal balcony in saint peter's that you're seeing some mm. a, a vista before you um and you are seeing two um two curving lines of columns as you see the courtyard of this castle um stretching before you the castle is not particularly big by castle standards it is it is a a compact uh, keep 
Um, but the land that stretches before you is expansive, so much so that it almost seems that you are above ground until you look far into the distance beyond the smog and see that there is a sloping wall and tapering ceiling to this place, that you're almost in what must be an inverted cone. And the stair itself must have been winding through the sloping, uh, what, what would be the roof from your perspective. Off to your um, to the left, which if your bearings serve you, um, is the north, there is a, an expanse of smoldering and blistered land that all leads around the, the sort of wheel of this place until you see at the northernmost point, you can just make out the, uh, the north castle as a smudge in the distance. Across mm-hmm. from you directly, um, there are what surprisingly appears to be frozen peaks um, all the way at the other end of this cavern and the east castle. There appears to be these great um, channels and rivulets of some um, of some sludgy white substance all um, towards the south, and directly adjacent uh, to the west castle, bordering it to the south, is a forest of sorts that seems to be made entirely of iron pillars. And lastly, right. dominating the center of this space um, at the at the center of this great wheel is um a crater all around you you're at the t- this castle itself is at the uh, is at the rim and all the other castles are as well but everything is sloping downwards to the center where you see um a city of some sorts built there and a and a dark oven like glow coming from within that city okay so if i understand correctly i am nearest the westmost castle yes you are in fact at the um you had you just emerged from a balcony within that castle. You were in fact ah, in I see. So the stairs lead to the lead to within the castle. Is there anywhere that I can go from the balcony besides back up the stairs? Yes, the balcony splits into two narrow staircases on either side that look like they lead down onto the battlements, and from there, you could descend down to the main courtyard, uh, and then there are gates and things from there which you could potentially use to exit out onto the blasted wastelands if that's All your right. intent. Well, it does sound to me like I am first encountering uh, an important location vis-a-vis the gods and their servants. So I would like to uh, ask a question of you. Go ahead. Where is Tar Seminus? All right, and I will ask you how you know this. Oh, oh, certainly you will. But first I'd like to know where he is. Directly in the center of this crater is the city of Pandemonium. Mm-hmm. which is known to be the um, pandemonium is hell's only city. Mm-hmm. It's a forest of half-built towers and uh, silhouetted uh, against the oven-like layer in the center, which is the hate star. Um, this city, you know, um, is where the pit lords reside. And if you know anything about Tarsaminus, that's where he'll almost certainly be as sticking his sword into the hearts of each one of those pit lords is mm. surely must have been at least an element of his intent to come down here. Of course. What else would he be up to? We mm. shall find out. Yes, we shall find out. In fact, I suspect we shall find out next time because I think this might be a reasonable place for us to call it for this evening with me on the verge of crossing into a, uh, a new part of the adventure. 
So with that in mind, let's leave it open for maybe another minute or so, just in case any last minute callers are interested in hopping on, asking a question of us on our first call-in show. Yeah, we can also do uh, some XP, if you wish. Certainly. Let, that like might that. be a reasonable thing to do. Let, let's do uh, Let's do both. I liked that uh, final image as well of you just yeah. looking out over the balcony and just almost a Dark Souls-like moment of seeing this oh, expanse yeah. before you and being like, yep, right there. And yes, this is where so I gotta dark go. and I am there for it. All right. Well, let's do end of session. All right. So I think that you... Um, the the interaction with mm -hmm. the Helmite, I would personally consider to be um, defeating or at least coming to terms with a worthy opponent, given that okay. the Helmites are I'll, um, I'll take an XP for that. Yep. Uh, I would also like something... to shout shout out my chaotic alignment, which I think also was fulfilled by by that spurring others to significant and unplanned to decisive action. Absolutely. Wonderful. I think that I'll counts as a, well. I'll take an XP for that. Um. You did not take any tokens from the Helmet. You did not take his sword, his helm, or the Sulfur Stone itself. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a potential opportunity for a treasure there that was um, passed up on for other goals. Indeed. But I do think you learned something uh, significant about the world. You were seeing a site yes. that probably the number of living that have seen is potentially two, for all you know, mm -hmm. you and Tarseminus potentially. So. All right. Cool. This, well, this I will take my. I will walk away with four experience, and I'll be quite happy about it. Five, if you include that one failed roll. Uh, by my count, four, three, uh, from end of session, one from the failed roll. Oh, okay, you're already counting that. Do note as well on your sheet, and I will note as well that you are marked. Oh yes, yes. Let me let me just mark. There we go. Marked. That's okay. Nothing wrong with being marked. Uh, I presume that's why the 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 taking a blow from the notched sword is an element of that whole uh, that whole wander down. It very well may be. Hmm, the um, say? I was gonna say something. I potentially just forgot. Oh, I was gonna say that there's um, there's something almost Orphean um, in in the idea of this uh, a minstrel or a bard descending into hell. You know, sorry, Orpheus. I have decided that I'm going to play this as um, I am vaguely infatuated with Tar Seminus. Ah. I think that's fun. Um, so I'm going to lean into the Orpheus vibes as hard as I possibly can. All right. I like that. Super. Um, well, this should be fun. I can't wait to resume this. Maybe we'll come back to this in another, in another 10 episodes and go from there. Yeah, I'll keep everyone truly on the edge of their seats. For sure. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Play to Find Out. Really a very special one. Uh, once again, thank you, Eamon, for giving me a chance to play in a game. This happens so rarely that I'm really excited about it. If you liked what you heard today and want to give us some feedback or didn't like what you heard today and want to give us some feedback, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And also link, link out this video. or We might put it up on YouTube or some other format. I don't know. It's not really a very interesting video. But it would be fun to have that out there in a non-podcast format as well. And so, if you like this format um, as a departure from our original format, uh, let us know. Like feedback, yeah. since we're trying something new, feedback is always appreciated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely want to revisit this, I think, because it's fun. 
The question is whether or not we re revisit it as part of the show at large or we revise the call-in part. Lots of options, but one way or another, I think we'll have to figure that one out as we go. So thank you for joining us at the table today, everybody. Indeed. We'll, we'll see you next time week. on Play to Find Out. Bye.